This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody, and thank you to all of you who have been helping us with our campaign on behalf of Heart for Lebanon. They do some tremendous gospel work over there in that dangerous part of the world. It's a very sad situation and quite a crisis situation in Lebanon. 55% of everyone there is living at or below the poverty line, and they are struggling like never before. Heart for Lebanon does great work reaching out to these refugee families, sharing the gospel with them, giving Christian education to children. And right now, you have the opportunity to help a child and his or her family get four months worth of survival essentials and also the hope of the gospel, which lasts forever. It is exciting to see what the Lord is doing in the lives of these refugees because of you and a gift of $116 will get it done. You can also help out by committing to a gift of $29 per month. We are trying to help 52 families. Uh, They're all on the waiting list trying to get help from Heart for Lebanon and they just need the funds. So if you're able to donate today, here's the number to call 888 247-5499, 888-247-5499. Or there's a Heart for Lebanon banner to click at JanetMefford.com. As always, thank you so much. I want to dive into this issue. It's very interesting to see Liberty Council has been representing these healthcare workers, more than 2,000 of them who filed suit against Governor Janet Mills of Maine and also some other state health officials over the vaccine mandate there. And the Supreme Court has rejected an emergency appeal, I guess, now they're they're ready to consider the case if they don't get relief at a lower court. So it remains to be seen what will be done here. But it just shows a lot of hostility on the part of government officials when they refuse and reject even the concept of a religious exemption to a vaccine. I find that part of this whole story quite fascinating. Quite fascinating. These people are all about personal choice and my body, my choice, and I make my own personal decisions and I identify what truth is and I live out my truth. But the minute a Christian tries to do it or the minute somebody who doesn't go along with the liberal narrative dares to do it, they find a way to punish you. What is the logic in telling somebody you have no religious exemption rights? First of all, it's ridiculous. And second of all, why does it affect you? We're back to the whole thing. If you allowed all of these healthcare workers to work unabated to help save lives and tend to patients all during 2020 when the pandemic was raging without a vaccine available, why in the world wouldn't you let them there now? Because there is this push to continue this idea that the unvaccinated are dangerous. And so far, I'm still waiting for all of the news that the unvaccinated are dangerous. We just found out uh, not just that Colin Powell, the former secretary of state, died of COVID-19, having been fully vaccinated. But now Neil Cavuto over at Fox News has COVID-19. He's fully vaccinated. So we know people who are being vaccinated, unfortunately, can not only uh, contract COVID-19, but can transmit it. So it's just dishonest. But I want to turn to this 
interesting bit. This came from Human Events. They broke this story. Jack Posobiec, who is the senior editor over at Human Events, was on Human Events Daily exposing this phone call that was leaked. And this phone call has some audio from a Department of Justice attorney named Marty Letterman, who can be heard. This is back from September. This Letterman, uh, the attorney Letterman is advising the administration on how to combat employees' religious exemption requests from the vaccine mandate. So actively talking about how to combat people who want a religious exemption. And as you know, one of the biggest reasons that a lot of Christians are trying to get religious exemptions is because of the abortion issue and the fact that you have fetal cell lines involved involved in the manufacture of these vaccines. So this is audio of the phone call. It's not great audio quality, but, you know, it was a recorded phone call. But listen to what this lawyer, DOJ attorney Marty Letterman, had to say. This is cut one. And for instance, in the New York case that's currently going on against the state of New York, the Thomas More Society is representing a bunch of doctors and nurses who claim that they would sin gravely if they acted in cooperation with the evil of abortion. How would they be doing so? The claim is that all three of the current vaccines either have fetal cells that were that were obtained by abortions in the vaccine itself or in the case of Pfizer and Moderna that those vaccines were tested using fetal cells that had been aborted and even the connection to the previous testing makes them cooperative with evil in a way that their religion prohibits I don't want to say anything too categorical but I believe that when this claim will be very difficult for agencies to successfully claim that that's either insincere or non-religious, even if it is, even if we know that many of those claims are not sincere or are sincere but not religious, this is the most common claim you're going to confront probably, and it's likely that you will have to take as a given the employee's claim. Not always, right? One response that some hospitals have started to give is, well, do you know that Tylenol and Tums and Preparation H Those were all tested using aborted fetal cell lines, too. And I expect that employees will then say, well, I didn't know that. But now that you tell me that, I'll stop using those products as well. And then then we will turn to what what does the government have to do once the employee makes that show? And here, basically, there is a compelling interest, obviously, in keeping our workforce and the public with which we interact safe from COVID. That's very interesting, isn't it? Now, you you don't know. Many of these people might claim uh, that they're going to want a religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccine, but they may not be sincere and it may not be for religious reasons. I mean, you're demonizing people without even knowing them. It's just a blanket condemnation on anybody who would dare to exercise his or her religious freedom. Religious freedom is becoming a completely foreign concept to the left. They don't understand Christianity at all. They don't understand the Bible at all. And they certainly don't understand God's people at all. But they do know enough to know they don't like us. They don't like what we ask for. They don't like the way we think. They don't like the way that we act. They want to be the dictators and they want us to fall in line like good little sheep. And unfortunately for them, a lot of Christians are saying, I'm going to think this through. And there's nothing wrong with thinking it through. It's fine to get the vaccine, but it's also fine to not get the vaccine. 
And that is a very important point for us to stand on. Now, I want to address this lie that was in a portion of what he had to say. I addressed this with that Liberty Council attorney just recently, but I'm going to say this again because he was making the point. Didn't you know that Tylenol and Tums and Preparation H were also developed with the fetal cell lines? No, they weren't. Let me go back and I'm going to give you some specific dates. Via Tylenol. Tylenol was discovered in 1955. 1955. So how was it that they were using fetal cell lines when abortion was illegal? I'm not really sure how that works. Here's off the Tums website. Tums has been providing heartburn relief for more than 90 years. 90 years. Did we have legal abortion 90 years ago? Nope. Created in 1928 by pharmacist James Howe to treat his wife's indigestion, the Tums brand was introduced to the public in 1930. Did we have legal abortion in 1930? Then how in the world were they developing it on fetal cell lines? Answer, they weren't. Thirdly, Preparation H. The guy who invented Preparation H was a man named George Sperry Spurdy, who was a cancer researcher and inventor. He died in 1991 at the age of 91. This man was born in the year 1900. Okay, he was born in 1900, and the company American Home Products that made Preparation H acquired the sunburn oil in 1935 that they then transformed into Preparation H. Again, that's a lot earlier than 1973. These people are throwing out these kinds of lies and everybody, it's a way to make people cower. Oh, well, I guess I should give up. Tylenol did not depend on fetal cell line development. What are you talking about? These were all medicines that were invented and marketed before legal abortion was ever brought to the United States via the U.S. Supreme Court. So this this is how desperate they are to make sure that you do what you are told. Now, what is the church saying? We're going to get into that in just a bit. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He severely beat young Aria and called the authorities to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend before letting them go. These two women didn't grow bitter. They grew bold and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East, where Christians are urged to support new believers. You suddenly realize how critical it is for Christians not just to assume God will look after their brothers and sisters who have converted from Islam, but that they will be prepared to walk with them. Help send God's Word to believers like Aria. One Bible is only $5. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YESWORD, or there's a Bible League banner at JanetMefford.com. When this mom came into a preborn center to schedule an abortion, she had no idea that the life inside of her was not just one, but two. Uh, when I see the ultrasound and everything, for me, 
they changed my whole life. Here is the heartbeat. I want to keep the baby, especially when they told me that there were two and only one. And now her twins are eight. I want to be a doctor when I grow up. When I grow up, I want to work at a zoo and be a veterinarian. When an expectant mother sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. Preborn is the number one competition to Planned Parenthood in the USA. Your donation of $28 sponsors one ultrasound, and for $140, you can help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. All gifts are tax deductible. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now here's your host, Janet Mefford. I want to turn our attention for a moment to a very odd article by John Piper. John Piper, founder and teacher over at Desiring God. A lot of people follow John Piper, and he wrote, I'm telling you, it is a really strange article. The headline is a reason to be vaccinated, freedom. Okay, does that mean you are now free to move about the country? (laughs) A la Southwest, if you get the mandate, or follow the mandate and get the jab, you can be free. Hey, you can run around, you can do anything you want. If you're not vaccinated, then you're housebound. No, that's not what he's saying. I'm going to pull out some of what he said in this article. He says the aim of the article is to encourage Christians to be vaccinated if they can do so with a good conscience and judicious medical warrant. He says the people I have especially in view are those who are not vaccinated because of fear of being out of step with people they respect and in step with people they don't admire. My message to them is simple. You are free. Wait a second. Wait a second. (laughs) Who is avoiding the COVID-19 vaccine injection out of peer pressure? (laughs) Uh, It seems to me as I'm looking across the spectrum, the peer pressure isn't coming from the unvaccinated uh, and saying, you better not get vaccinated either to your fellow unvaccinated. I've never seen that scenario. Maybe you have where you are and I'm misguided in making this remark, but that's not where the peer pressure seems to be applied, folks. The peer pressure that I see over and over and over and over again on social media is that you must get vaccinated. If you love God and if you love your neighbor, you must get vaccinated. How many times have we heard that? And I'm not saying those people aren't sincere in expressing that. I'm just saying for him to say people are not being vaccinated because there's scared that other unvaccinated Christians will judge them or they'll look woke if they get the vaccination is ridiculous. I've never met one unvaccinated person who cared if anybody got vaccinated. I've never seen anybody object to it. Now, there might be some kind of situation in many situations where parents, for example, tell their kids, you're not going to get the vaccination. That's a different scenario. But if you have a neighbor across the street who's a Christian who gets vaccinated and you choose not to, what do you care? I mean, it's no, no, you know, no skin off your nose if somebody else gets vaccinated. But for the vaccinated, oh, you're spreading COVID-19. You're a bad person. So just the whole premise here is a little strange. He says, I'm not talking directly to everybody. If the shoe fits, put it on, check your conscience, consult your doctor and go get vaccinated. If it doesn't, go tearfully and cheerfully on your way. What does that mean? Tearfully, because over 4.5 million million people have died from COVID-19 worldwide and cheerfully because Christ makes it miraculously possible to love people by being sorrowful yet always rejoicing. What? What, what does that even mean? 
you should cry because if you don't get vaccinated, you've killed people. What? I'm not sure what this means. What fuels the cooking fire? Before I get to the biblical argument for radical freedom, he says, consider these statistics that fuel the fire over which this article was cooked. And he gives all these uh, terrible statistics about COVID-19. Handpicked, by the way, there, there, there are no bullet points here that really take the other side. He says, when people respond to this increasingly clear reality by pointing to untrustworthy and disreputable government and medical leaders, I respond, that's a non sequitur. Now, what is he saying there? He seems to be saying that Christians who are concerned about the tyranny and concerned about the nonstop barrage of lies and the unconstitutional crackdowns over COVID-19 and the fact that there's a great reset that is planned by the World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, I should say, which seems to be in line with what the UN wants to do and the globalists want to do and the technocrats want to do, and that all of this is being exploited as the most you know recent serious crisis that the left won't let go to waste. You are just ridiculous. Apparently, it's just a non sequitur to bring any of that up. I don't think it's a non sequitur at all. I'm going to pause briefly so you can hear this audio. This is very interesting. This is from Australia. The Premier Daniel Andrews of Victoria has stated that unvaccinated Victorians will remain excluded from activities both economic and social well into next year. You listen to this particular government leader in Australia and then ask yourself, is the argument about government leaders exploiting the pandemic and exploiting the vaccine mandate issue in order to control people an irrelevant non sequitur or is it not? Listen to this. Cut to. I'm not going to say to someone, oh, look, just wait us out, will you? Just, just, just wait four or five weeks and then you'll be able to go to the pub. No, if you make the judgment to not get vaccinated and you reckon you can wait out us or the publican or whoever you want to think you're waiting out, you won't wait out the virus because the virus will be here for a long time and your only protection against it is being vaccinated. This will be well into 2022, well and truly into 2022. Then we're going to get into booster issues, so it won't be your first and second dose. It'll be have you, have you, have you had your third? And then the other issue will be, well, who knows what uh, variant's coming? Who, who knows? Like, we don't. So we've got every reason to be confident. We've got every reason to be optimistic and upbeat. This is the Victorians have done an amazing job. But that job includes us making some difficult decisions. And that's to keep people who are not vaccinated out of some of those venues that we've been talking about today. How long do you foresee? I can't put a date on it. I, I, I cannot put a date on it. But I can tell you this, it will not be when we reach 90%. It will not be anytime soon. That's going, to, that's going to function for a period of time well into 2022. For instance, I'll give you an example. The Grand Prix is in April. I don't think there's going to be crowds at the Grand Prix made up of people who have not been double-dosed. Just to give you a time frame. Doesn't mean it'll end the day after the Grand Prix, but uh, that just gives you some sense. Please don't play that game of let's just wait them out and then we'll be able to do everything we want to do and have not got jabbed. No, that, that will not be the case here. And if you make that choice, it'll be a very long wait and you won't outweigh this virus. Okay, you're a tyrant. When you're talking about the fact that even if 90 percent of the people are vaccinated, we're still not going to give the rights and freedoms back to the unvaccinated to go out and live normal lives. This isn't about COVID-19 anymore. Did you catch the part also where he was talking about the next variant? They're already touting that. They're talking about a terrible variant that that is now developing in the UK. They're excited about the next variant. 
Can we not see it at this point? They want more variants. They want things to continue. Fauci wants to continue to tell you whether or not you're allowed to get together with your family at Christmas. You unelected bureaucrat, no one cares anymore. You have contradicted yourself so many times and you're not in charge of us. And a lot of Americans have already said that. So going back to the John Piper article, he talks a lot about the issue of freedom. And it's very bizarre because he brings up all these different passages about being free in Christ. And we live as slaves of God. We honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Then he says in 1 Peter 2.13, where Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to the emperor is supreme or to governors. He says, how can you be subject and be free at the same time? Quote, Peter's answer is that Christians are slaves of God. In other words, when you submit to a human institution, you don't do it as the slave of that institution. You do it in freedom because you are slaves of God, not man. God owns his people by creation and redemption. Okay, first of all, Biden's vaccine mandate, which as far as I know, still isn't out yet. The, the, the phantom mandate that's coming. He issued it. It's not a law. Congress didn't get involved and say every company with 100 workers or more needs to make sure that everybody gets the jab. And by the way, there are all kinds of exemptions, right, for Congress. That's kind of strange, isn't it? That's very strange. So we're we're supposed to just submit. I appreciate what my friend Dr. Everett Piper had to say in a piece that he recently wrote at the Washington Times. No, Romans 13 does not say Americans must submit to Biden. We are the government. We are the sovereign. We are the authorities. That distinction is so rarely made with those on the left or drifting to the left. Oh, we just have to do whatever the government says. No, we don't. The Constitution is the law of our land. We need to uphold the Constitution. And those people we elected to represent us are required to uphold the Constitution as they swore to do. And if they don't uphold the Constitution, it is our duty as free American citizens to get rid of them and elect new people. That's how the United States of America works. We're not living in the times of Paul and the early church where it was not a republic. Clearly, you had an emperor and you had you had kings later on and you had you had human history littered with all of these sovereigns who sat on the throne and you did what the king said and you did what the emperor said, you did what the czar said. That's how it is, but we have a different system of government. And because we have a dis- different system of government, we have the right and I would argue the responsibility to stand up to a tyrannical government. My goodness, how do you think we got the United States, John Piper? Because people who were being oppressed by the king said, no taxation without representation. And by the way, we're here in the new world and we're going to form a new nation apart from you. This is important for us to know our history and to understand the context in which we are living when we consider our freedom. I think it is an abuse of the Bible when you start using the Bible as a means of oppressing Christians, which I think, after reading this article, is really what John Piper has ended up doing. I'm not saying he did it intentionally, but he is just twisting the Bible into a pretzel in order to say, you're free, so you better go get the jab, otherwise you're bowing to the peer pressure of people who don't want you to get the jab. And he doesn't give one example, by the way, of anybody who's been peer pressured to get the jab. It's just weird to not get the jab, I should say. He doesn't give one example of anybody. It's very, very weird. By the way, what about all these people who are losing their jobs? People who are losing their livelihoods because they don't want to take an experimental vaccine. If you would have put this forward as some kind of future truth, 
We all hopefully would have said, in theory, that's horrible. I wouldn't do it either. But when reality hits, and this is where we are, a lot of people just fold like cheap suits. That's what happens. Just go along with it. Well, you know what? The problem with going along with it is that this is a violation of the Constitution. And when you go along with it, you think they're going to stop here? It's like it's like the homosexual movement. Oh, just give them marriage. They'll never ask for anything else. Okay, now we've got a transgender admiral. Fantastic. That's wonderful. What did you win by not standing up? No, Christians are free in Christ. And as Americans, we are also free. Let's keep that freedom as God gives it to us. We'll be back. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. God is using Heart for Lebanon to bring practical assistance and the gospel to the stricken refugee families in Lebanon. For a gift of $116, you can give a child and his family survival essentials for four months and the hope of Jesus Christ, which lasts forever. Call now, 888-247-5499, 888-247-5499, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. God reminds us in Colossians 4 how important our speech is in this fallen world. Verses 5 and 6 say, Act wisely toward outsiders, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, this can be a bit of a daunting command, but maybe we just haven't considered deeply enough how important our words are and how vital it is that we speak to all people in a biblical and effective manner. So we're going to address this issue today with David Howard. He is a Montana State Senator, former FBI agent and founder of both Foxhole Ministries and the national radio program, The Voice of Truth's Wake Up Call. His book is called The Christian Art of Verbal Chess, Speaking Life into Others. Dave, welcome. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm honored to be here. Well, thank you. We appreciate your coming on. What What exactly is the Christian art of verbal chess? I suppose a lot of things could be read into that, but how do you see the definition of that uh, to be? What is that? Well, in today's world, all Christians, we need a strategy to diffuse verbal conflict and edify meaningful conversation to be able to speak life into others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Christian art of verbal chess is something that really, for me, started years ago when I, I taught a communications program called the Art of Verbal Chess. And the basis of that the foundation of it was God's Word. Right. Of course, I flew all over the country p- putting this program on, and uh, you know, many times I, uh, when I would give it to the secular world, that's why it was called the art of verbal chess. And then it had different elements in it, and to be able to teach you a method, plus to be able to see like a chess set, so you can see the boundaries, you can see what it's included because when you talk about communication, it's sort of unlimited. But when you can put it down, and even though you don't know how to play chess, 
You know, chess is a game of strategy. Right. And so is meaningful conversations. Right. Why do we need it? In other words, what is the problem that mastering verbal chess, the Christian art of verbal chess, will solve? What, what are we doing wrong that requires us to understand how to do it right? Well, as you know, we all know that one of the attributes of all of us is we're basically selfish. We're selfish. A friend of mine once said, he said, well, you know, I don't think I'm very selfish. And I asked him, I said, what's the first thing you do every morning? He says, I turn on the coffee. I said, who's that for? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, that, that's where we are, okay? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that we know the fruit of the Spirit, and we know that without self-control, we can't have the fruit of the Spirit. We can be, we can be filled with with the Holy Spirit, we all fail at that because our emotions get going and different things like that. But if we can actually look at a strategy and kind of what I do is I put on my hat, my communication hat, so that I start getting in tune when it's meaningful conversations. But I have to know what the pieces of that conversation is. That's why I use the chess set. Yes. So this is not just how we are to speak when we are evangelizing, right? This is how we speak in everyday normal life. Absolutely. Yeah. And the one neat thing about this communication is after you read this book, you can practice it every day, almost every minute of every day that you're talking to someone. Well, good deal. So let's talk about some of the pieces here in the chess set. I think this is interesting how you uh, put this together. The king of verbal chess, you say, is the character of Christ. So explain that one for us. What are you talking about there? Well, the thing is, is that let's look at the character. And first of all, it's integrity. Christ is the ultimate. He came as truth, grace and truth. So all truth goes through Christ. So we have to have integrity. We have to have self-control. We have to have humility, gratitude, acceptance. And these are the 10 steps of the king of verbal chess. So that when we we have patience, we have to accept people for who they are. We have to be able to forgive people. We have to have faith and hope. And most of all, with communication, we have to have perseverance. We got to stick with it. We got to stick trying, trying to speak into others so that they can have life too. Well, I think of the verse that the Bible has uh, talking about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that seems in line with what you're discussing there. If you have the character of Jesus Christ, that's the first step in worrying about what comes out of your mouth, isn't it? The, who you are to begin with. Absolutely. It, it, it is your, your moral foundation. It is. And the queen, you say, the queen, you say, is the spirit of the game. Talk about that. Well, you see, the queen is the is the skill of giving grace. If you can't give people grace, you can't listen. You can't really have a a decent communication process with them. (laughs) I mean, how many times have how many times have we talked to people that really we didn't want to listen to? Yeah. But you see, we have to understand that when we listen, and we listen deeply, emphatic listening, and and we we really start to hear people, then we're giving them grace. And as you know, grace is forgiveness, and it's love. It's it's a negative, and it's a positive. But the thing is, is that, you know, as a state senator, I can tell you, I have people come in, want my time, and 
literally I have to affirm them, give them grace, because they don't always speak anything you want to hear. (laughs) But when they walk out the door, they they want to realize that you have given them that grace. And that takes a skill. We have to understand what it is, and we have to practice it, because we can easily get to that person that's all about ourselves. Right. So when you're talking about having the ability to impartially step into another's life and give that mercy and compassion to gain understanding, what is the motivation there? Because when people say, well, listen, not every single situation when you're having a conversation with somebody, uh, sometimes you have to be tough. Sometimes you're, you're not supposed to be too empathetic because the situation doesn't call for it. What do you do in a situation where you do have to be tough and, and yet also keeping in mind that you need to season your speech with salt and make sure that you are behaving in the manner of Jesus Christ while doing it? Well, you see, we have to realize as Christians that we have to stay on the truth side. We have to understand that you can't go to appeasement because you look up the definition of appeasement, and literally one of the elements of appeasement is not telling all the truth. Mm. But you see, like it says, there's a time for everything. There's times when you're talking to people that they're they're willing to hear you. Right. But if you give them grace and you you you're empathetic with them in the sense that you're, you're, you're still dealing in reality, not in your emotions. You're able to be able to bridge many gaps because of the fact that they realize that you're what kind of a person you are. Yeah. And we want to talk to good people. We want to talk to people that can listen, that can give us some empathy. Well, you know, what strikes me about this, Dave, is the fact that our culture is going in the opposite direction from what you're trying to promote, rightly, which is just because you're talking to somebody who is not on the same side with you, maybe the person isn't a Christian, maybe the person doesn't understand a particular position you'd like to have them understand, but we still have to treat people with that kind of respect. That is going out the window, it would seem, in our culture today. So it's very countercultural what you're proposing here, but right on the money. Well, it, it is, you know, a culture buys into all kinds of things, okay? And the thing is, is this, we as Christians, we're supposed to be influencing the culture. So when we speak God into the culture, we influence it. And we, if we wanted to, to think about one thing, why is the culture literally going to heck in a handbasket? It's obviously we haven't been doing a real good job of speaking into it. Hmm. We, we, uh, you know, the, the God, I mean, you look at Christ and it's his whole method of madness that, that he went through the whole strategy and everything. He spoke into good and he, he, he exposed evil. Yes, he did. That's right. Well, there's more to talk about. When we come back, we're going to dive more into Dave Howard's book, The Christian Art of Verbal Chess. You are listening to Janet Mefford today. Stick around. We'll be right back.
The U.N. has called what's happening in Lebanon the worst humanitarian crisis since World War II. COVID-19, political upheaval, a crumbling economy, and two million refugees, children and their families, living in poverty and despair. But in the middle of it all, God is at work. More Muslim-cultured people than ever before are putting their faith and trust in Jesus. And through your generous support, Heart for Lebanon is being used to bring these hurting people from despair to hope. A single gift of $116 helps bring a child and their family survival essentials and the hope of the gospel, which lasts forever. $348 cares for this family for an entire year. We have a goal to take over 50 families off a waiting list that desperately need our help. So we're hoping you'll be as generous as you can when you call 888-247-5499, 888-247-5499, or there's a Heart for Lebanon banner at JanetMefford.com. Thank you. Ask yourself, what do you pay for health care? Are you single? Do you pay more than $199 a month? Are you a couple? Do you pay more than $299 a month? Do you have a family? Do you pay more than $399 a month? Yes, you can serve the entire family with health care for only $399 a month with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals. Sign up at any time of the year. Pick your own doctor and hospital. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org JMT. Or call now 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or libertyhealthshare.org JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now here's Janet. Welcome back. We are talking about how we speak. The Christian Art of Verbal Chess, Speaking Life into Others is the new book from Dave Howard. And Dave, we were talking about some of the different pieces in the chess set, as it were, that you're talking about in your book. And you had mentioned something that I want to go back to. And that was this issue of empathetic sort of listening skills. You know, you mentioned we have all the basics that we need about communication. We know how to read and write and speak, of course. But listen. Listening tends to be a harder thing to do well, and we rarely focus on that last verb. Tell us why listening is such an important part of verbal chess. Well, literally, you could funnel it down to this. Listening is our intelligence gatherer. If you want to understand another person, you have to listen to them. You have to empathically listen to them. In other words, most of us listen thinking about what we're going to say. Well, you can't be doing that. You have to actually listen. And the key thing is, is this, is you're absolutely right. All the different schools, they teach us how to read, write, and speak. When's the last time we've had a class on how to listen? Yeah. And because we, we kind of take it for granted. But boy, I tell you, in my lifetime, you know, I was an FBI agent for years. And if you do not listen, you don't understand what's happening because people do different things. They, they, many times they leak their intentions. You, you, with their verbiage and how they emphasize their words and, and how they respond. Uh, you see, what we do is we, many times we ignore people. We pretend listening. We selective listening. Uh, many times we uh, kind of attentive listening. We act like we're listening. Uh, 
I once did a um, had a company ask me to come into the company. They had a morale issue. They said, "Well, I sat down to the CEO and I realized right off the bat what the what the issue was." <laughs> Uh, he liked to talk, but he didn't want to listen. <laughs> Nobody in that whole company listened to each other. And, and it, the key thing is, is this, how do you know what's going on? When you're speaking to loved ones, if you don't put on your listening hat and deeply listening to what they're saying, you can't understand them well enough to be able to give them the compassion and understanding they need. It's literally affirming them. We have to realize that humans, the basic thing we need is oxygen. I scuba dive for years, and I can tell you that if the tank goes dry, you're heading to the top, okay? Yeah. But the key thing about humans is they want to be affirmed. Being affirmed is not agreeing. It's listening and trying to understand and asking questions. That affirms people. Hmm. And that's a very, very critical element. And going back to something I had raised a couple of minutes ago, if you are, for example, having a conversation with a stranger, say, like I do uh, from time to time on airplanes, where you're sharing the gospel with somebody because they're you know, stuck there and so are you, and you may or may not ever yeah. see them again, but it's a good opportunity sometimes when you have an opening to be able to share the gospel with somebody. How do you apply some of these ideas in that particular context of evangelism in a way that will help move the conversation along and not, you know, we always fear when I sit down with somebody who's not a Christian and I share the gospel, it may go terribly wrong. And I really want the conversation to go well. What tips would you have in that regard? Well, the thing is, is that in the the art of verbal chess, Christian art, you go to the on-time techniques, which are the pawns. The thing is, is you do things like, for instance, you introduce yourself, you talk a little bit, you care about what they have to say. And then what happens is you use questions to try to get to where they're going. Hmm. And then you listen, you empathically listen to them. Well, at that point, you can build a trust so that they actually, when it's time for you to speak, after you've penetrated and you've talked to them and you understand where they're coming, they then have the opportunity to listen to you. Yeah. You see, many times what we want to do is when we, we're trying to sell something, and sadly, many times Christians try to sell Christianity instead of try to impart the word of truth yeah. and let the Holy Spirit save them, we kind of take it upon ourselves to save them. Right. Okay. Right. And, and we're not in the saving business. We're in the fishing business. Amen. So, 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 you know, you don't utilize the pawns, you utilize, you know, you, you compliment people, you make that understand, you listen to them, and you, and you don't speak before you understand. Okay. And that's critical. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I, the closing the deal part of what you just said is so true. This pressure that you sometimes feel like if this person doesn't accept Christ by the end of this flight, ah, I failed. Mm-hmm. But you know, what you're talking about and having the character of Christ and having good ways of speaking with people, if nothing else, you will have someone walk away having a good impression of Christians. And that's not a small thing because they associate us with Jesus Christ, their view of Jesus Christ. If, for example, you have somebody who thinks all Christians are 
hate mongers, you can, by your own behavior, it would seem, make strides toward changing that person's mind. And that might be a gateway to them being more open to the gospel down the road, maybe when they meet another Christian. And and you're exactly right. That's the minimum win of the Christian art of verbal chess, is when you separate and the person walks away. They may not agree with you, but they respect you. Yes. And they have enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. Because you've listened to them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's a good and point. And the thing is, is you, yeah, you, we all know that, that people come to Christ many times. If we're lucky enough to be able to offer someone salvation and turn them over to Christ, hundreds of people might have talked to them before we got there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The seed planting. We don't know where that is. That's right. It yeah. can be a long trail and you don't know where you are in that trail. When do you apply silent communication, Dave? This is another thing that you talk about when you describe castles in this game of chess. Mm-hmm. What, when are we to be silent? Well, the key thing is that silent communication is our body language. Okay. Good. It is what we actually do, what you're, you're watching the body language of a person. For instance, you, you try to uh, create a baseline of honest responses. I try to do it with men many times if I have a serious conversation is to find something they're interested in. Like, for instance, if they're interested in hunting or if I go and see somebody and they have a picture on the wall of uh, shooting a moose, <laughs> I try to get them to talk about that. And I watch their body language because what they're doing is they're, they're using truthful responses. They're truthfully showing you your body language. Many times they're giving you palms, gestures, that type of stuff. Their feet are not together. Their feet are apart. They're sitting in a chair. And you, you, you see the whole body. And then you get around to something that's serious. And the person now crosses their legs. They might go up and before they speak, put their hand over their mouth. They might wipe their hair. Many times people will groom themselves when they're concerned about themselves. <laughs> So you're, you're watching this sort of you've, draw, you've drawn this baseline of responses and you can through that, you can tell whether somebody's listening to you or not. Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. and you can just you watch that language. You're speaking to that person on a, on a flight. Like you said, you're talking to them. They're using palms, gestures. And then pretty soon you're getting around and you're, you're able to talk about Jesus Christ and what happens. And all of a sudden you see them closing up. Well, at that point, you know, you don't want to keep going down that road. Mm-hmm. You want to try something else. You're, mm-hmm. you're not making headway. And so that's the key. I mean, my goodness, my daughters used to tell me later on in life after they grew up, Dad, we used to hate for you to sit there and question us. yes yes well that's not a bad thing though and i I think you're making a good point when you're talking really if i could boil down what you just said we should pay attention to the person and a lot of what you've said comes down to that pay attention to the other person that's such simple advice but it's such important advice in the age of the cell phone where all we want to do is talk for five seconds and then go back to the phone i mean that's not going to work no it's not going to work and and real communication to speak life into someone. I mean, uh, I point out on there that the worst thing you can do is talk about anything that's important on the phone. Yeah, true. Because you misunderstand. I mean, 
years ago, my wife and I was trying to buy a house and I was in, I was 150 miles away. Okay. (laughs) And we kept getting into arguments and I finally realized, wait a minute, she can't see me. 60% of our conversation is how I project myself. Isn't that interesting? So watching me, you can see what I'm saying. Many times people don't say it right, but you can see their meaning in their body language. That is really wise. Well, we got to wrap it up. Dave Howard's book is called The Christian Art of Verbal Chess, Speaking Life into Others. So good to have you here, Dave. Keep speaking life into other people's lives, and thanks for the advice. It was great to have you here. And thank you so much. You are welcome. God bless you. By the way, you can visit the website for Foxhole Ministries, foxholeministry.com.